If you've got a copy of the Word of God, I want to ask you to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, to the last chapter. That would be chapter 28. And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that if you've been saved very long, you've heard it preached a whole bunch of times. And I hope you won't just, oh man, I know I've heard this so much, I hope you'll come to it with a desire to hear something new and fresh. Well, we're going to look at the Great Commission, God's plan for His church, His people. This is the last thing Jesus told his blessed disciples before he ascended and went back to be in heaven. He had asked them to come and meet him at a mountain that he had told them about somehow. And they were out there on this mountain that he had appointed for him to come. Previously, he's been crucified. He was buried. Can you imagine they had followed him for three years? put all of their hope that he was the Messiah, that he was the one who had come to save them and their nation. And then he's crucified, the most horrendous death you could ever have as a criminal. Looks defeated, he's buried, but on the third day he rose again. And they've been hearing, and it's been 40 days now that he's been coming and showing himself to those whom he has chosen to go out and carry on his mission. And as we look at this this morning, I want to talk to us about on mission with Jesus Christ. We're not on mission for Jesus. We're on mission with Jesus. He's with us. There's a big difference. A lot of people are working for the Lord. We're supposed to be working with the Lord. And if you look here, Jesus is speaking to his blessed men that he's invested the last three years of his life in to prepare them For the coming time that they will carry on his work on earth while he's back in heaven. And if you look with me here in verse 16. It says, then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. No different. Some worship him this morning, some are still doubting. Sometimes we worship him and we still at other times doubt him. That's the battle of faith. And Jesus came and he spoke to them saying, all authority, the the King James says, all power, all power, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Would you pray? Father, I pray today that you would give us fresh ears to hear with. Give us tender hearts. Lord, give us a hungry spirit to hear your word and your will for our life this morning. And help us, Lord, to have a willingness to obey. You told us that we're to teach people not just to hear and be aware of your teachings, but to observe them. And so, Lord, today, help us to be observers of the truth and to apply it to our lives and to allow you, Lord, to take us on the greatest journey that you can be on on the face of this earth, to be on mission with you, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, our Savior and our God, Jesus Christ. You know, we look at this today, and I said this last week. I want to kind of remind us, get you thinking again. Jesus does not call us to come to church. It's not, there's religions everywhere that you can come to. 
He calls us to be his church, to represent him. The Bible says we are his ambassadors on this earth. And that as he leads us, it's as if he's pleading through us to the lost and dying world. Be reconciled to God on behalf of Christ. And that's us. We're his hands and his feet. We're his body that he's using as we go out as his church to represent him. A couple quick things I want to make us think about for a minute. Jesus did not save us to become church members. Man, there's much more to being a disciple of Jesus and coming to church, hearing a fat preacher get excited, hopefully, and preach the Bible, even if it's true, even if it's anointed, and then go home and be no different. God has much more for you. His church has got so much more to offer this lost world than a place to come and hear preaching. He saved us to become his disciples. Not just a disciple. You can be a disciple of a preacher. There's a lot of churches that follow a man, follow a system. They're more a part of a religion than they are a relationship with the living Lord Jesus Christ. So he wants us to be his disciples. And so he's speaking to people, these 11 in particular, that have followed him. They've been taught by him. They've learned from him, and they are responding to him correctly so we can learn from them. That's what they're here to do. That's what a disciple does. He teaches others how to follow Jesus and what it's like to be his disciple. So as we look here this morning, I want you to see a disciple is more than someone who comes to church. A disciple is someone who's following Jesus every day. And if you're going to follow Jesus every day, you're going to have to be like these men who were trained by him. And the first thing I notice here when we look at this text, he called them out. He doesn't, the people that Jesus invested in, the people that has been following him, that he's trained, he never leaves them. <laughs> he's got a plan and a purpose. He doesn't give up when we fail. The first thing I see here, it says Jesus had appointed for them to meet him. You see, Jesus didn't just want you to come to church today. He appointed Sunday morning to where we gather to meet with him. If you come to church and you didn't meet with Jesus, it was a waste of time. And what is the greatest thing about meeting with Jesus? To worship him. There's nothing more, there's nothing greater you can do for Jesus than worship him. Worship him as God and who he is. And you know, as we look right here, they listened to him, they came. There's a benefit to gathering where Jesus tells you to go. I don't know if you believe this tonight, but if you are a disciple of Jesus, it has been appointed that you are to gather somewhere in his name with a group of believers. It may be in a building. It may be in a cow field. It may be on side of a river in a land. It may be in a jungle. But somewhere on the Lord's day, the the Sunday morning, you're to gather in an appointed place with the people of God so Jesus can be worshipped and he can speak into your life. And so today, you're not just here to hear me. Hopefully, you've come to hear him. And as you look right here, look at the first thing it says. It says, and when they saw him. Can you imagine? The one who they followed for three years, they'd surrendered their life to. They left their fishing business. Matthew left the tax table. They left their lives completely to follow him to see him die on a cross. But when they was at their lowest moment... (laughs) They heard he was rose from the dead. 
And he's been showing himself to them in ways to increase their faith, to make them be able to believe that he is who he says he is. And he's coming to a room called the upper room, and he's saying, peace, be still, it is I. Hey, look at here, I'm not a ghost. I, does a ghost eat fish? Look at here, look at my sides. Look at my hands. And friends, like here now, they've, they've come. And it says when they came, they worshipped him. You see a faithful disciple... You see here a picture of their admiration. That's what you worship. What you admire most in life is what you worship in life. Some people it's rock stars. Some people it's all types of worldly things. But friends, for a disciple of Jesus, you know what you worship? All your admiration, that means all of your affection, the affection of your heart, the attention of your mind is on Christ. And that's what it is. Can you imagine when they seen him? And in the midst of that, it's amazing that as they worshiped him, some still doubted. You see, it's all right this morning if you believe in him and you're trying to follow him. Just be honest. said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. But Lord, I believe in you because that's the kind of person God comes to. You see, Thomas, doubting Thomas, we kind of give Thomas a bad rap and people laugh at him. But we've all been doubting Thomases if we're honest. But you remember just a few weeks before this event, he had come to them on a Sunday morning and he had appeared to them all. And they were telling everybody was there, but Thomas wasn't there. And in John chapter 20, if you want to look at it later, the Bible says, now Thomas called the twin. One of the 12 was not with them when Jesus came. You know what will happen if you don't ever go to church? If you never go to appointed places and God has made for you? You see, God has appointed all kinds of rendezvous for you to meet with him in life. But you got to be listening and you got to be obedient. You know how many of you, because you got your own agenda and you do your own thing, you missed out this week on all kind of appointed, supernatural, divine appointments that Jesus would have showed you things that only you would have got to see specifically and purposely for you. But because you're so distracted and you're so self-centered, you live for yourself, you're not on mission, you're missing all that. But guys, these guys, they were there, but Thomas wasn't. So the other disciples therefore says to Thomas, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see his hands in the print of his nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into the side, I will not believe. And after eight more days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. And Jesus came through the doors being shut and he stood in the midst and he says, peace to you. And he said to Thomas, hey, Thomas, come here. Reach your finger here and I'm looking at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And this is what happens The Bible says, when Thomas looks to him, he answers and he says to Jesus, my Lord and my God. You see, Jesus is more than someone you hear a preacher preach about. Jesus is more than someone you read about in a holy book called the Bible. Jesus is the living Lord God. And he is able to know where you doubt and where you need to be reaffirmed in who he is. And he comes to you and he speaks to you and he helps you. How many of you knows what I'm talking about? And we all doubt from time to time. But if your faith is genuine, his faith will never forget you, never leave. He'll come to you. He'll show himself to you. And that's what he does. And so it starts, though, with worshiping him. The reason any of us can worship him this morning for who he is is not because you were smart and found him. It was because he was merciful and came and found you. 
And when you were blind, deaf and dumb, he came and gave you eyes to see, ears to hear, and a mind to understand. You ain't special. He is. And he brought his life to you. And he gave it to you. That's what he did to them. He chose these men to be his disciples. See, it's an honor to be a disciple. It's a privilege. It's not a burden. It, it, it's the most grateful, greatest thing you could ever do with your life. To give back to the one who gave his life for you. He died for you. Now the best thing we'll ever do for him is to let him through us make us live for him. So they worshipped him. I want you to think about this. They worshipped the Lord Jesus. When you look at that word, that word worship, it means to esteem, to honor, to give respect. It means to be in awe and wonder. You know why most people are not in awe and wonder of Jesus anymore? Because you're too in awe and wonder of chasing this dream called America. Looking for everything here. But if you'll get away from here and go spend time with him, he'll whisper into you with that still, small voice. It's the loudest whisper you'll ever hear. It'll change your life. It'll redirect you. It'll interrupt you. It'll bring you to a place where he is real. And friends, he came to them and he spoke and they worshiped him. And guys, in the Great Commission, if we're going to carry out the Great Commission, if we're going to be faithful disciples and do what God's called us to do and be on mission with him, we got to know this morning, he's God. He's almighty. He's the creator. He's the one who speaks. And it happens by the will of his voice. Anything he wants to happen will happen. He can't lie. And because he can't lie, he can't fail. And friends, I want you to think about this. We should be this morning a lot more in awe of who Jesus is than most of us are. He should be getting all of our adoration, all of our affection, and all of our attention should be on him at least a lot more than we do. But guys, listen, not only did you see here in this text as we begin to look, because you're never going to be faithful to be a disciple, to make a disciple, until Jesus is the greatest thing in your life, that you worship him. And that's what they did. They worshiped him. I can't imagine what it must have been like to be on that mountain having seen him there. But friends, listen, not only did they worship him, look at the next thing. Jesus, as soon as they began to worship him, look at what Jesus says in the next verse. Let me get back to my text. Jesus came and he spoke to them. And he said, all authority or all power has been given to me on heaven and on earth. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All power. I want you to think about this. A faithful disciple's authority. You see, guys, everybody in here is under some authority somewhere. You might think you're not. You might reject authority. But all of us, whether you believe it or not, are one day going to be under the authority of Jesus. The Bible says that one day every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess, and Everyone, will, to the glory of God the Father, will say, Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. But friends, listen, you can either make him Lord then and it won't be too, it'll be too late, or you can make him Lord now. And friends, authority in Jesus is never given to you until you give authority to him over your life. I want you to think about this for me, his allegiance, the faithful servant's allegiance. It's to Jesus. You see, 
In this verse, the word power literally means authority, the right to use power. And friends, Jesus, because he has all power, that power that he has gives him all authority. There's nothing that is not able to be over Jesus. And as a matter of fact, the entire gospel of Jesus is, of John, Matthew, I mean, the entire gospel of Matthew is stressing and pointing out as a major theme throughout the Bible the authority of Jesus. I want you to think about this. If you go and read and take time to notice, throughout Matthew's gospel, throughout his teaching, he exercised his authority over nature. Man, he calmed the storms. He, he, he spoke and the waves were still. Not only did he have authority over nature because he had power, but he exercised authority and power over sickness. Jesus could find someone born blind and he could literally just touch them and speak. And in the power of his name, because of the authority of who he is, he could heal them. He did things no one else has ever did. He revealed and showed that he had power that gave him authority over sickness. Not only that, but he had authority over Satan and his demons. He would cast out demons. He would rebuke them and he showed over and over his power. You see, he showed that power one day by saying, your sins are forgiven. And they said, who are you to say that his sins are forgiven? Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus said, you're right. What is easier for me to do? Say your sins are forgiven or get off, off that pallet, you crippled man. Been born that way since life and carry your pallet home. And he got up. See, that's power. Power is what gives you authority. And authority is given. To those who are under his authority. You know why I lost and most people in life have no power in their prayer life. They have no power in their daily walk with God. They're defeated. They don't see the, the favor of God fighting their fights. They're always losing. It's because you're not submitted to him. You're not under his authority. And friends, listen to this. This is called the Great Commission. How many of you have heard that? This is the Great Commission. How many in here has been in the military? We got two colonels, I believe. Air Force colonel, an Army colonel. I ain't saying which one's the, got the most authority. I'm joking. But a colonel has a good bit of authority in the military. Would you agree? He's got a lot of people under him. But he only has authority to be over all the people under him if he is under the authority over him. See, he's been commissioned as an officer. He made an oath to keep and protect, to fight all foreign enemies and domestic, to be faithful to this country. And what gives him power is that he represents America and America's fighting force. See, that's what, exactly what has happened to us. See, the Great Commission, the word... Noun form of commission means it's an instruction, a command, or a duty given to a person or a group of people. That's what a commission is. Listen to this. A commission is an instruction, a command, or a duty given to a person or a group of people. Guys, it is a commission. We've been commissioned by the Lord under his authority. And when we go under his authority to do what he's commissioned us to do, we have his power with us. He backs us up. He doesn't back up people who play church and just do what they want, come, try to build up some kind of kingdom on earth. No, 
He empowers those who's commissioned by him. See, that's the the noun form. We have received a commission to act as an ambassador for Christ when we represent him and not ourselves. But the truth of the matter, a lot of what we're doing in church, we ain't even heard him. We ain't even asked him. We just do what we want and we want him to bless it. Guys, his plan has already been given to us to go and make disciples, to let him lead our lives. Listen to this. The verb form of commission, it means to order or authorize to do something. We have been commissioned to represent Christ and go and make disciples in his name that observe and keep his teachings. And now when then we are, in, Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as if God was pleading through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. Think about this. Now then, because we've been reconciled, we're under his authority. We are ambassadors. We represent him. We are here to serve him. And friends, when we are representing him, his power is with us. At the close of his gospel, Matthew made it clear that Jesus has all authority and power. Friends, he's got more power than Congress, the Senate, the White House, and every kingdom on this earth all put together he's got more power than the devil he's got more power than anything he's got more power than us and friends when we're under his authority that power goes with us do you remember what he said he said upon this what he told peter who do people say that i am and they were all saying different things and peter said you are the christ the son of the living god you're god he basically said and peter said yes you're right flesh and bones didn't show you that one peter he says but upon that truth upon that rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it because you're going to be under my power when you're submitted to who I am. And you know what he said? When you're submitted to him, when you're on mission with him, when your allegiance is to him and you're loyal to him and his mission, he said, I'll give you the keys to heaven. And whatever you, the keys to the kingdom, I mean, and whatever you bind on heaven will be bound on earth. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. That's authority working under the power of Jesus. You see, when you are living non-submissive and in rebellion to Christ, you're not going to see that power work in you. How many of you knows what the Bible says? The Bible says that if we submit to Christ, the devil must flee. That's what it says. So when we're submitted to Jesus and we believe the devil has to flee, we have the power of Christ. Friends, that's the, the, the church going in the power of God. The basic meaning in the Bible for the word disciple, it literally means allegiance to Christ, to follow him, to be taught by him. The first step to becoming a disciple is crowning Jesus as Lord of your life, giving him your allegiance and letting his authority be over you. And then you have authority over them. You know what? Think about this. Has any of you tried to have biblical authority over your kids when the Bible is not has authority over you? <laughs> Try to tell your kid, do what the Bible says when your life is in conflict to that. They're not going to do what you say. They're going to do what you do. And if you want God to take your parental, God-given authority over your child, does he have power and authority over you because friends when you get out on your knees to pray to God to save your kids to change your kids to help your kids does he have that over you because that's how it works in the kingdom so 
you see that these men gave Christ their allegiance. Do you know that out of these 11 men, 10 of them gave their loyalty and faithfulness to Christ to the point of death by martyrdom. They were martyred because they would not say that Jesus wasn't Lord. They would not take back their testimony and their witness that we've seen him. Yes, you crucified him. Yes, you buried him. But we've seen him. He come back. He was alive. He taught us this. That's why we're reading this. And they would not back up, back down. They stood to death. John, he lived, the last of them. And to the very end, he was still standing and teaching for Jesus. Friends, that's what we are to be doing. Because look at the next thing. Whenever people heard Jesus teach, they said no one's ever taught like him. This is what they say in Matthew chapter 7, verse 28, 29. It comes at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. So it was when Jesus had ended these teachings that the people were astonished at his sayings. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Friends, no one's ever preached with the power of Jesus. His pulpit was the ultimate pulpit. Amen. And friends, I want you to think about it. Talk about anointing. Can you imagine? And friends, listen. When Jesus teaches us, when he shows us, the next thing is important is what do we do with our lives? If you're being taught by Jesus and you're following Jesus, your life is going to reflect that. You see, the Bible says faith without works is dead. Real faith is going to produce works. And I want you to think about this. The faithful disciples' activity. What is your life filled with? What is the actions and the busyness of what you do with your life? How much of it is used for Jesus? Now, that doesn't mean we don't have time to work. Doesn't mean you don't have time to go shopping, go time to catch some white perch. But if that's all you make time for, and at the cost of never giving Jesus time to serve him, to work for him, to make disciples for him, to let him use your life to infect and influence others, and he does infect them, <laughs> then he's not what's leading you. And a lot of us are being led by everything but Jesus, and our life reflects it. Someone said, if you want to see what controls a person, look at his checkbook. What's he spend his money on? But guys, I want you to think about these faithful disciples. Look at what he said to them to go and do. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That should be what we all want to do. We all want to be disciples who are following Christ. And friends, listen, in the original Greek, we don't get this, but make disciples, his works, what we're doing, that word make disciples is the commandment, not go. You see, it's speaking in a tense that we're already going. Because if you're not going already, you're not a disciple to begin with. I want you to think about this. The only command in the entire Great Commission is make disciples. The church that Jesus uses to reach will be a church filled with people who are faithful disciples. The word going, it's literally mean and going. It's, it, it, it's, a, it's a present participle. Now, that's a hard thing. Let me just tell you. The Greek verb translated go is actually not a command but a present participle. That means it's speaking as if it's already. Not go, going. And as you're already going, you make the disciples. We're supposed to be already going for the Lord. A pastor that I used to know back in Louisiana, 
Brother Lynn Martin, he pastored Ben Ford's Baptist Church, one of the greatest church signs I've ever seen. I've always wanted to copy it. We might could put it on ours one day. It said, Ben Ford Baptist Church, a going church for a coming Lord. If you're not a going church, you ain't ready for the coming Lord. You see, we're to be going all the time for him. He's got somewhere for you to go this week. He's got an agenda. He's got appointments. He's got divine opportunities. He's going to open doors where we can be a difference in another person's life. If you don't believe me, surrender today. He'll make your life busy. (laughs) You won't be bored. He'll give you all kinds of things to do. He'll put people in your path. He'll give opportunities to you because the work is to go with him, not for him. Not when you feel like it, but we're to be working with him. And friends, I want you to think about this. Look at what he says right there. In order for us to do this, we got to know what he's teaching, what he's taught. They already knew. Teaching and observe the things I have commanded you. He'd already commanded it to them. They already knew it. Now, how are you going to know his commandments to do them if you don't even know what they are? So, guys, we ought to be teaching people not to just be aware, not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers. Boy, it's quiet in here this morning. Is that boring? Okay. I don't want to be boring. I'll just say amen. We'll go home. But I, I, I want you to think about this. God's got a plan. Of prayer. He's got all kinds of things for you to do. That is eternal blessings. That will bring fruit. That will produce things that only he can do. Friends, listen to this. We got to be about his work. Doing what he wants. Now, guys, Listen. There's nothing wrong with doing men's ministry and women's ministry and children's ministry and preaching ministry, but it's all supposed to be to make people do what? Follow Jesus, not come here. Become like Jesus, not become like most churches. You see, most churches are totally satisfied to get a crowd of people that come and sit (laughs) and like the preacher, impressed with all their programs, What a building. Man, y'all built all this? I like that song, if God builds the house, nobody can tear it down. Amen? Because, you know, I'm convinced today that the churches are suffering. They're all going backwards. The average church is not flourishing. The average church is diminishing. And the, the majority of the people we do reach are not people we're winning out of the world. It's people we're swapping from church to church. This church does the new thing. This church becomes the popular place. This church finds all the best programs. So everybody runs to it for a season. Then another one comes and gets a little bit better. But we're supposed to be people pulling people out of the harvest. People out of the byways and the pathways that are caught in the mucky road of sin and degradation and bringing them into here and saving them with the grace of God that we have saved us. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And friends, listen, if it's not working, it's never not God's fault. It's always falls on us because God's got all power and all authority. He desires for his church to grow. He desires for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. It's us to get on board with him and to work with him. And friends, listen to this. The church that Jesus uses to reach the lost will be a church filled with faithful disciples who are following Jesus, who are becoming like him, whose desires and hearts, our allegiance is to him. We're under his authority. All of our affirmation and our attention, all of our affection goes to him, our adoration and now we're serving him 
faithful. But I just want you to think about this. In order to disciple the saved, the church must be filled with members who are themselves disciples. We got to be taught by Jesus. We got to be growing. I'm going to tell y'all what. I've been a pastor three churches. Coming up, if you do the math, I've been saved since 96 of January. That's this month. And I'm still finding out that there's way more that I don't know than I do know. The longer I do all this pastoring, I'm finally getting to be where I kind of might be getting to be able to make a difference. You see, by the time we learn how to do it, we so oh, we can't do it. <laughs> because it takes a lifetime to become a disciple in one way. But in another way, at the moment you give your heart completely to Jesus, say, he's God, here's my life, I surrender to you, I want to work for you, I'm going to do what you tell me, I'm going to go where you tell me, I'm going to listen to what you teach. At that moment, guess what? You're no longer doing it by yourself. He's doing it for you and through you. Because I want you to notice what I'm going to show you at the end of this. The most important part is not who we worship. It's not our allegiance. Are we faithful and loyal to him? And it's not what we do, our works. The most important part is, is he with us in these efforts? I want you to look at what he says. The faithful disciple's ability, his sufficiency. You see, we keep doing it in our own ability. We keep doing what we want to do instead of what he wants to do. And friends, if you're doing it for him, you can be by yourself. (laughs) But if you're doing it with him, he's with you. I want you to think what he says. Look at verse 20. Let's just go over the whole thing right quick again. Verse 18, he says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, so all power is his. Go, therefore. You're already going. Go, therefore. Going already. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them the things I've already commanded you to observe them, to obey them, just like you. And, lo, I am with you always. That's an amazing thought. You see, we all think Jesus is always with us. No, he's not. (laughs) Not his manifested favor. I want you to think about this. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How do you think Paul learned that? Do you think Paul heard a sermon one day and said, man, I believe that. And from then on, he could do that? No. Paul, that was a reality in his life because he was a disciple. His allegiance was to God. All of his affection and heart was on Jesus. And his works was with Jesus. And his whole life it took Paul to learn that. You don't learn that overnight. That, for that to be a reality in your life, you've got to know something. I love this verse. We all take it and we think, oh yeah. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. Friends, never forget where two or three are gathered in my name. If, you, if he's saying if two or three are gathered in my name, that means they know who I am. I'm Lord. I'm God. They're gathered under me, my authority, my name. Friends, listen. You can have two or three thousand gathered praying, and if they ain't under the name and the power and the authority of Jesus, nothing is going to happen. But you can have as little as two or three who are these kind of people who worship him with their life whose allegiance is to him, they're faithfully committed, and they're listening to his teachings, and they're working in their life, their actions is to be what God wants them to do, and he's with them. He's with them. 
How many of you knows when you come to church, it's the difference when God's with us and when we just hear playing with ourselves? Friends, he always loves us. He's never going to condemn us, but he's not always here manifested his presence with us. Everybody that gathers in his name is not going to experience everyone who gathers. But when we gather in his name, friends, listen what he said in John chapter 15, verse 5. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He says, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. We're going to look at a sermon about abiding in Jesus. Abiding in Jesus is not Sunday morning attendance. Abiding in Jesus is a personal relationship where you get up. Good morning, Jesus. Thank you for another day of life. Lord, speak to me today. Lord, be real to me today. Lord, I'm listening to you today. I'm going to get in your word today. I want to hear from you. Lord, I'm talking to you. I want to pray to you. Lord, I want to be with you today. Not because I need something. Not because I want something. Just because, Lord, you, I love you. And friends, when we abide in him and he abides in us, he says we bear much fruit. But when we don't take time to be with Jesus, we got to be connected to Jesus like a vine and a branch. And when you allow your life to be detached, to be separated, and guys, how easy is it today? I ain't got my phone with me. I left it in the truck. (laughs) Thank God it'd be burning in my pocket. But that thing there, that'll get you disconnected from Jesus. There's a whole lot of you spend way more time on this than in this. You're much more concerned about Instagram and FaceTime and who's got more friends than this one and who likes this and who don't like that. And how many followers do I have when you ain't even following the only one that matters in the end? Jesus. And what matters in the end is, are you following him? (laughs) Because friends, listen, following him It takes abiding. It takes submission. It takes him being with us. Too much of what we do in church today is for him and not with him. Does that make sense? Yeah, we preach for him. But friends, when you've been with him all week, you can rest assured when you get up here, you ain't preaching for him. You're preaching with him. When you've been serving him and you've been spending time with him all week, when you come on Wednesday night and you get in that kid's class or you doing what? Man, I tell you what, anybody get in a classroom full of blast kids, he better be with you, amen? Because <laughs> you can't do it without him. We can do all things, though, through Christ who strengthens us. I want to show you one more thing and we're going to close. And lo, I am with you always. That's the last thing he said. In the Great Commission, what's the first thing he said? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All power, all authority is mine in heaven and on earth. That's the first thing he tells us. And then he tells us what all he wants us to do and how he wants us to. The last thing he says is when you're doing this, lo, I am with you always. So one old deacon told me one time he wouldn't fly in an airplane. I said, Brother Tommy Joe, he had a rich brother-in-law who who owned all kind of stuff, owned a bunch of Harley shops. He would be flying all over. He would be inviting Brother Tommy Joe. Tommy Joe's, why not? He don't leave, why not? Except to go to Walmart. And they would invite him to go to the Bahamas. I said, Brother Tommy Joe, man, you could be going for free. He said, Jesus said, lo, I'll always be with you. I ain't getting in no airplane. (laughs) But that ain't what he means. He means, because of all what I've just showed you, lo, listen, look, 
Give me your attention. And lo, I want you to pay attention. I am with you always. How long is always? Even to the end of the age. That means it's just as he was with those 11, just as he was with the early church in the book of Acts, he's with any church today who'll surrender and get real about the Great Commission and want to make a disciple. He's with us. Paul went to Corinth, a place very much like Shreveport. It was a hometown for the pagans. It was where all the heathens lived. Sound like your neighborhood? Paul went there. When you read Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians, he says, And when I went there, I didn't have, let me read it to you. Y'all think, I can't be a witness. I can't make disciples. Listen what Paul said when he went to Corinth. Let me read it to you. This comes from chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians. Paul said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified, the cross. That's what he's preaching. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. That's the Apostle Paul. He said, I was with you in fear, in weakness, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, human ability, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and in demonstration of the power of God. Friends, listen what he says right here. This is from when he was in Acts. He's in Corinth. And he's nervous. He's scared. And the Lord came to Paul in a vision. And this is what he told Paul. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by vision. Do not be afraid, Paul. This is Acts chapter 18. Don't be afraid, but speak. Do not keep silent, for I am with you. See, anytime we're doing what he wants us to do and we're where he wants us to be, it might be in hellhole America. It might be in the last place you would choose to go. It might be uncomfortable. It might be unsettling. But if it's where God puts you and you're doing what God told you to do, you are immortal till God's through with you, my friend. God can put us anywhere to do anything and do it through us when we're like these men we're looking at. And look at what he says. And no one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people in this city. You know, we look around here. It don't look like we got many people. But Jesus said, if you get out there and you'll speak for me, you'll get over your fear. And you'll go out and you'll get on mission with me. You'll be surprised how many's out there that would say yes to Jesus. There's somebody here this morning, there's no doubt in my mind, you're here by divine appointment. You know if you left this place and died before you got home, you'd end up in hell. But you don't have to because God brought you here, not by accident. There's no accidents in the life of a child of God, no coincidence, no such thing as luck in a disciple's life. Everything is by divine, sovereign purpose in God. Today, if you know you're going to go to hell, you don't have to. Because I'm going to tell you right quick, Jesus died for you, my friend. He gave his life on the cross to pay the price for your sins, to take away your penalty and your condemnation. And if you'll admit you're a sinner today, and you'll confess that to God and say, Lord, I'm a sinner, and you'll believe that he died, he also rose again, and you'll believe he rose again, that he lives today, he's here today in his spirit and his power he will help you. He, how many of you know that God will help you do things you can't do? I don't know about you, but that first step 
stepping out with Jesus. Oh, God, is it not hard? But have you ever noticed once you take the first step, it's like he's with you. All of a sudden, the rest of them, he just takes them for you. That's what he'll do today. He'll save you. And he lives today to help you. And he will come into your life, and he'll do just what I'm talking about. He'll begin to teach you. He'll take his word and his spirit, and he'll help you to understand, and he'll speak into your life. He'll take people like me that just preach the word of God, and he'll let you appoint you to be in a church. And as you grow and you learn more about him, man, he'll become more and more the center of your life. And the more and more that the foundation of your life is on him, the more life begins to have purpose and meaning and significance because we were created for that. And he's here today. He'll save you, but you got to come. He'll invite you. He'll give you the opportunity, but you have to respond and you have to come. Faith will trust God enough to follow him. So he's going to ask you to come today. I'm going to ask you to just come up here. I'm not going to ask you to join this church. I'm not going to ask you to to believe. I'm just going to say, do you want to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to save you? And come into your life and be your Lord. And if you say, yeah, we'll say a prayer together. And if you mean it in your heart, you'd be saved. You don't even have to come up here. But I believe if you do it, you'll want to come up here. Because you want to follow Christ and honor him. Today, those of us who are going where Jesus wants us to go and doing what Jesus wants to do, he's showing himself in awesome and unbelievable and mighty ways. He's real, folks. He can fix things and do things that you never imagined when you trust him today we're going to have a song service here we're going to have a time of invitation and i want to invite you if you're not on mission with jesus today all you got to do is repent say lord i've just been going through the motions i come to church i go home i come to church i read my bible occasionally i get in a jam i pray but lord basically i'm just religious but lord i want to be on mission with you i want to be used by you Lord, come into my life. Lord, I'm asking you today. Maybe he's telling you, join a church. You've got to have a church if you're going to serve. He wants you to be part of a local congregation that believes and trusts in his mission. And he's telling you to join this church. Maybe he's telling you to surrender your life to a certain mission, to help with kids, to help with nursery, to maybe just come up here this morning and pray, Lord, lead and guide me. But I promise you, he's got a plan, and it's more than to sit in a pew. He's given you a spiritual gift. That's a spiritual ability and enablement to carry out a spiritual ministry in his name. And I'm here to tell you, pew warming is not a spiritual gift. He wants you out the pew and he wants you up and out into the world representing him, serving him. And he'll use you. And there's nothing better in life when you know God's using you. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to say a closing prayer. If you're lost, come up here and give your life to Jesus. He'll save you. If you're saved and you need to make some adjustments, come and give your heart to Christ. Come and say, Lord, here I am. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I've shown what you showed me. And Lord, we all fail. We don't always do it. Sometimes we worship. Sometimes we doubt. Sometimes we're faithful and loyal. And sometimes we're rebellious. Sometimes, Lord, we work for you. We work with you. And other times, if we're honest, it's all about us. We're just doing what we want out of life. And Lord, the greatest times that I find in life is though when I live life with you. When you're with me and you're with us. Church is awesome when you're with us. It's boring when we're by ourselves. So Lord, today we want you to be with us. 
So come, Lord, breathe on us, speak into us, help us, Lord. Lord, even when we fail, even when we resist it, Lord, you continue to draw us to yourself. And Lord, like the old song, even though we're prone to wander, you're faithful to keep calling us. So Lord, today I thank you that you're calling people back to yourself, to a perfect, right relationship through and in you. And Lord, I'm praying for this altar that someone will come and be willing to do business with you, to trust in you. And I'm praying for that person who's undone, who's lost, who knows if he dies, he's not going to heaven that he would come right now as I speak and be saved and give his heart to you. Draw him, oh God, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need to come, if Christ is spoken, it's going to happen up here if it happens. It ain't going to happen out there just sitting like always. If Jesus is spoke, please move and please listen to what he's telling you to do.